Well, glad you are here. Take a seat if you would and uh, take your Bibles if you have them. We're in the series of James and uh, chapter 1. We're going to be in chapter 1 and start in verse 19. So as you are here on Saturday night, uh, you know, I get lots of emails and, and things from people and a lot of, not a lot of people, I would say a few people have come to me over the last 10 days and asked if I was going to say anything about Israel and all that was going on there. And uh, I want you to know I'm going to do that in context of where we're going in the message. Uh, as we address this situation, I think there's two things I, I want to talk about tonight. First, I, I want to just talk about the, the, the terrorist attack that has been committed against Israel. And it's just evil and there is no uh, defense for terrorism or what has taken place. And they have suffered their own 9-11 scale of attack, which has devastated both the Jews and the Palestinians alike. And I don't know about you, but watching uh, the reports of women and children and families who have been torn apart, those who have been killed, those who have been kidnapped, uh, my words can't describe the sadness and the horror that I have seen. And beyond my prayers for all the innocent people that have been involved on both sides of this war, uh, it's left me feeling a little bit helpless. Like, what can I do? My prayers will continue, hopefully along with yours. And I think that's what we do first and foremost is we pray and we continue to pray. Um, the second part is where many Christians begin to wonder and pastors begin to speak on the subject of the end times. And depending on your view of scripture, your eschatological view, many see this thing differently. Uh, is it the end times? Well, some believe that that was ushered in when Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, some believe every time there's been a conflict in Israel and the Middle East, which has taken place since the late 60s, 60s, that we are moving into the last days. And you know this, uh, if you've been around church world, many pastors and churches have taken advantage of this, they've preached on it, and they have announced to their congregation that Jesus is coming back. And as you know, with 100% accuracy, they all have been wrong. So let's just say this, is this the end times? Well, we are closer than ever before. Is this ushering Jesus' return? I have no idea. And neither do you. And scripture tells us that Jesus doesn't even know. Here's what it says in Mark 13. You've got to go to scripture for all of this. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. I've had some emails that have been very alarmed this week. So, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Jesus continues in Mark 13, and he says, But about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. So I just say to all of us, if Jesus doesn't know, then I would be a fool to speculate what all of it means. And I could preach on it and do a series, but the real question for me, and I think for you, is when I look at the news, and when I see our world and our country and the state we are in, when the continual noise around us is just so negative, when I'm grieved and saddened by the evil that is taking place, and when I feel a little bit helpless and can't do anything but pray, how do I remain hopeful and faithful in that? 
How do I drown out all the noise with a faith that actually is resilient in the end whenever that time may be? So I just want to start tonight by asking you a hypothetical question. What if I came up here and I did say, this is it. I mean, this is the end, and Jesus is going to return, I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and it's probably, I don't know, a week from Thursday. If we knew that this was the end, would it change how you live till the end? Would it change how you would live this next week? Because that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about a faith that actually works when the world doesn't. We need a faith that works when the world is at its worst. We need a faith that remains faithful and perseveres whether the end is tomorrow or 2,000 years away. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and that's really what James was talking about here at the end of chapter 1. So what is a faith that works in a world that doesn't? And I just made it really simple for you. Here's, if you leave with nothing else, just leave with this. A faith that works is a faith that listens and lives for Jesus. Simple? Yes. Hard? Yes. Verse 19 He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. They should be slow to speak. And they should be slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So let's talk uh, the first part of the big idea. Faith that works is a faith that listens. Listens to what? Well, first and foremost, what James is getting at is that you need to be a person that would be quick to listen to God and listen to his word. Remember what he said in verse 18? If you were here a couple weeks ago, we looked at it. He said this in verse 18. He chose, God chose, to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits that he created. And what he was saying, because we've been made into a new creation and we have experienced the transforming power of Jesus Christ, that the old person has passed away. Behold, the new person has come, that now we have given ourselves over to God. And he says, listen up, you need to listen to God and you need to be about his word. Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that... The servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So he says, hey, everybody, you need to be quick to listen. Let's give attention to. And when you give attention to, then you are able to respond. How many of you uh, are quick to listen? Anybody a, a really good listener? Nobody tonight is a good listener. You guys are great. It's going to be a long night if you're not a good listener. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but if, I, if I'm watching someone and I'm having a conversation with them and they're on their phone, here's what I know. They're not really listening. Have you ever watched somebody when you're talking to them and their mind's already spinning and you know they just want to talk because they have no desire to listen to anything else you say? You know what I do in that situation? I actually just stop talking right where I am. They don't even know I've stopped mid-sentence, and they just start talking. They don't even know what I was talking about, and they just go, and you just let them go. And James comes, and he says, hey, people, you need to be quick to listen. First and foremost, you need to be listening to God, and you need to be slow 
to speak. Anybody know a person that's quick to speak and slow to listen? Here's what the writer of Proverbs says about you. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs 29, verse 20. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. I look at that and I ask ourselves, most of us are probably quicker to talk than we are to listen. And Proverbs 10, 19 gives every single one of us some words of encouragement. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I love that translation. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. What it means is when you have an abundance of words, you probably have a little bit of sin. So I want you to look to the person next to you tonight and just say to them, you talk too much. Just look to them and say it. You talk too much. Now all of you look up to me and just say, you talk too much. Go ahead. You can say it to me. Go ahead. Thank you. I have nobody to my left or right. If you listen faster, I'll, I'll talk less. So let's, let's keep this going. You need to talk less and listen more is what he was saying. Because in your words, there's an abundance of sin. And we understand when he goes on and he says, then you need to be slow to anger. Because anger and righteousness do not go hand in hand. They are complete opposites. But you see, the section does go hand in hand with God and his word. His word doesn't just convey information to you. It actually does things. When you begin to read God's word and you open it up and he says, you be quick to listen to God. It begins to change things. It begins to bring about a new and lasting transformation that can happen inwardly, which then affects what comes out outwardly. If you read in the Gospels, it was saying that, hey, it's what's going on inside that matters because what's going on inside is affecting what's coming outside. So it all starts in here in your heart and then it comes out. So be quick to listen. See, I love what N.T. Wright says. He said, in this passage, we see God... God's word going to work. And at the same time, we hear a warning about our human words and actions going to work in a different direction. And we know this anger is one of those things that happens when patience reaches its limit. But he says this, if what we want is God's justice coming to sort things out, we will do better to get entirely out of the way and let God do his own work rather than supposing our burst of anger, which will most likely have all sorts of nasty bits to it, such as wounded pride, Malice and envy will somehow help God do what needs to be done. I love that. He said, your anger is adding absolutely nothing <laughs> to helping anything getting resolved. So James comes and he says, listen up. Because of what God has done in your heart and transformed your life, you need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. He goes on in verse 21. He says, therefore, because of this, I want you to get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. See, the way that God works in us and through us is not by taking our nasty or malicious anger and somehow making it all right. 
The way God works is through his word. That we are now a, a new creation, and so now God's word has been planted in our hearts, is what he said. And we have accepted his word, and now because we've accepted his word, it is producing something in us that comes out as fruitful and life-giving and beautiful to those who come in contact with us. But what gets in the way? Well, he says it. Hey, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent in your life. He says, for this to happen, you've got to close out the world. And that word, that word filth is translated from a word which refers to any sort of impurity. It's closely related to a term used for wax in the ear. Now, I, I want you to know, um, I'm a pretty hygienic guy. I, I, like, uh, I, I like my clothes pressed. I like my clothes clean. I like to be clean. I do not like to be dirty. Uh, I don't know if any of you are like that. I'm pretty particular. Some might say I'm a little OCD in certain areas. That might be true. But I went to the doctor a few years ago, and I remember I was having a little bit of a hearing problem. And she said, well, let me check out my ear. And she checked it out, and she said, oh, you got a little bit of wax in there. Would you like me to get that out? And I said, sure, I'd love for you to get that out. I had no idea how painful this would be. If you have ever gotten wax out, and I had no idea how much wax I had in there. And this wax came out, and I'm not going to gross you out, and I'm going to show you a picture. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to show you a picture. <laughs> but I remember that moment when it came out, and I was like, you've got, that was in, that was in my ear. Like, you've got to be kidding. And he comes out, and he says, listen, you got stuff going on in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. It, 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 he's, he's saying it's like that, that earwax. It's nasty. And you want to know what, why is, what is coming out of you is coming out of you? It's because there's evil and there's stuff that's going on. And he's like, you got to get rid of all the moral filth. And there's got to be some boundaries that are in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's some things you do and don't do. There's some things you watch and don't watch. There's, there are Things that you stay away from because it's evil and it fills you with the wrong things. So let me ask you a question. Is something blocking your ability to listen? The other question is, who are you listening to? What are you listening for? Are, are you content with the, the, the noise that the world is feeding you? Because some of us can't turn it off. Before my parents passed away and went to heaven, I remember I, it was every time I went to their house, they had the news on. I would walk in, and that's the only thing. And then I wondered, they wondered all the time why they were so just worried about everything. I was like, well, turn it off. <laughs> because the only thing that's coming in is garbage. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be aware, but some of us, the things that we're taking in and consuming have consumed us. And we wonder why we don't have peace and we don't have hope and we don't have fulfillment and everything that's coming in is speaking differently to you. See, a faith that works is one that first and foremost listens to Jesus and trusts him above everything else and all the noise you hear. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 22 says, do not merely listen to the word and then so deceive yourselves. Actually, do what it says. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And what he just says there is a faith that works, is a faith that listens and lives for Jesus. It means carrying out, 
Have some action with your faith. Your life isn't just meant for you to have a little bit of insurance to get to heaven. It's meant for you to make a difference in this world. And he said, your faith matters. So live it out. And we consider what James has been telling us all the way through chapter 1. Everything is founded upon his word. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep, they listen to my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. When you listen, then there's an action. When the Holy Spirit either convicts or the Holy Spirit challenges that you actually step towards him, that you move in a direction. You take action when he calls you to take action. Kyle and Bree, why are they going to Tustin? God called them. There's no building. There's no church. There's nothing. We just believe that that's where God's calling them. We're celebrating 10 years. You guys know this. This is part of the reason we do this beyond thing. We have a church in Orange celebrating 10 years. I can't even tell you all the things that are happening right now in the last year that have gone on that God has just blessed. It's unbelievable. And to see where their congregation is 10 years later, but that was because of you. And we didn't have a church, and we didn't have a building, and Jay was just called. And now we're in Eastvale, and we're in Buena Park, and Amigo's congregation was playing a long time ago, and then we're going to Tustin. Why? Because God has called us. And we don't know, but it's by faith. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's the same for you. It said, don't deceive yourself if you're just sitting around and saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. It says, well, then show me that you're a follower of Jesus. So, verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, they're just like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So when you look in the mirror, what do mirrors do? They give you an honest reflection, right? And sometimes we really don't like looking in the mirrors anymore. Sometimes we just take a glance. Who likes to just glance? Anybody? Let's just glance. I need to quit looking in that mirror. Others, not quite what they used to be when they look in the mirror. Maddie, like most of you ladies, has that makeup mirror, and it's really bright, and it magnifies things like 20 times. It's the worst. I mean, I looked in it the other day, and I was like, why do you even do this? Like, for us, we don't get to go put on makeup. You do. We just look the same when we come away. And I'm like, it just magnifies everything. Who likes to stare into mirrors? Bodybuilders? CrossFit people? Now you know who else? Influencers? Whatever that means, I don't know, but they love to look in mirrors. Madi and I were at the beach in Hawaii earlier this summer, uh, and it was in May, and Kim Kardashian was there like two days before us. Thank the Lord we missed that circus. But the day we were there, I know she had posted a bunch of stuff because people were talking about it, and there were these two influencers, I guess, and they were trying to take the poses like her and do all the things she did, and they could not see enough of themselves. Maddie and I just looked for two hours. They just continually were taking pictures of themselves and had cameras set up and they were jumping and frolicking in the water and they would come out and they would take another look at themselves and they just were there and I was like, holy cow, you're not that great. 
and neither are you. And what he says when we look in the mirror, we get an honest reflection of who we are. I don't know if you know this, in James' day, there were no pictures. Not very many people had a mirror, so if you didn't happen to catch a a sight of yourself, you might forget, really, what you look like. And James says that's what it's like when someone just gives a a quick glance. When someone just pulls out their daily bread and, and reads a little passage and says, I'm all good, that's interesting, and forget immediately what he just read and just keeps living like he or she was before. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when we read the Word, We think because we read it that we are actually obeying it. At least that's what I do. I've read it, so I'm obeying it because a lot of times we hear a sermon, we read a book, we open God's word, and we go, that's right, I totally agree with that. But then we deceive ourselves because we have heard what needs to be taken care of and we don't do anything about it. And it's like looking in the mirror of God's word and yet we just go on living our lives. We don't change. So let me tell you one of the great dangers for us is that we falsely assume that simply agreeing that we should pray or simply agreeing that, yes, we should give or we should plant a church, that we are actually doing it. (laughs) Or just knowing that we should worship somehow makes us worshipers. I just want to remind you, if, if your life is marked by Jesus, then it will be a marked change to your life. And that leads to action. God wants us to be people of action. And don't just read the word, and this is the problem sometimes, I know for me, we got to let the word read us. And then when we read the word and it reads us and there's conviction, we ask for forgiveness and repentance. And then when we read the word and it calls for action, then guess what? We go and we act on behalf of Jesus Christ. So he finishes with this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, here's what will happen. They will be blessed in what they do. So think about that. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. You might read that and say, well, how can a law be a, a part of freedom? Isn't a law something that restricts our freedom? The law is supposed to stop you from doing whatever you want, right? Well, yes and no. I just went to Ireland with my wife, and and suppose there wasn't a law about which side of the road we were to drive on. Can you imagine the chaos we would have started if we would have been driving in the wrong direction because we drive on a different side of the road than they do in Europe? See, the law there says you can drive on the left side of the road, and it's on the right side in America. See, it's the law that actually brings freedom and order to everyone's life when you follow it, and we're grateful for it, right? That's what God's law, that's what his word is like. By restricting your freedom in some ways, it opens up for us a greater, more genuine freedom in other ways. And when we look into his word, into his law, and it says how he wants us to live, and we actually do it, we are saying, God, you know best for us and best for me. And we're going to live out this law of yours because your way is better than our way. And by living it out, we're saying we're trusting you. And it says it brings perfect freedom is what James is saying. So see, the the word must go to work in your life. and, And there's to be a marked difference if you are marked by Christ. So he goes on and he closes this. Those who consider themselves religious, verse 26. 
and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. Well, they just deceive themselves. And then their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So you might have given your life to Christ, but by the way you speak and what you say, you have discounted the one you've given your life to. And he says, let me tell you something. You need to stop deceiving yourselves and get a rein on your tongue and what you say. And then he goes and says, hey, I want you to, to look out for those who are hurting, the orphans and the widows. Those group represent the marginalized and the forgotten and the isolated and the poor. They are the ones that we believe halfway around the world and around the corner that this church is supposed to serve and to care for. And part of the reason we do plant campuses is for the gospel to go forth, but to care for the communities we're actually going to share the gospel with. And I don't know about you, but in my life, there's so many times I don't stop for things. I look back and the Holy Spirit had wanted me to stop and care about or care for. I've said many times, I I live like I drive. I think that might be a good way of saying how you live. I'm not the most cautious driver. What do you do when you see a yellow light? Slow down. I don't. I speed up (laughs) because I need to get through it to get to the next thing. And so many times God's just saying, Matthew, maybe just slow down a little bit. And I think what he said to me over these last years is, "I'd, I'd love you to start seeing as I see. And I would love you to see who I see. And you know what happens when you slow down? You actually have a chance to hear God's voice. And then you actually have a chance to act on behalf of him. And he comes and he says, hey church, don't don't forget those who are hurting. So maybe we need to look for the stop lights or the stop signs. Maybe we need to start looking carefully in the mirror. Not to see ourselves, but to see maybe as God sees through his word. Slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. Can I just encourage you, and would you try something for me this week? Some of you speak a lot without using your voice. And you write words that do not represent Jesus well on Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it might be. I don't know that because I don't follow anyone and I don't have Facebook. But I do know. Your words carry great weight. And it's easy to write. Can you think about what James is asking of you tonight? Because I want your commitment to Christ and how you live for Christ to actually match. That what comes out is actually representing Jesus well. So let me ask you a question. 
What's louder in your life right now? Jesus or the noise of the world? My good friend Kyle Zimmerman, who's our pastor at the Orange Campus, uh, he has two boys, and they both play football for the University of New Mexico. If you know anything about uh, college football, New Mexico isn't considered a powerhouse, but they get to play some powerhouses. And this year, they got to go to Texas A&M at College Station. And if you know anything about this stadium, it's one of the loudest stadiums in the country. There are things happening all the time. I mean, the band's playing, the crowd's yelling, cannons are going off, teams and fans are screaming at each other. And yet, with all of this noise and everything that's going on, when the teams start to play and that noise gets louder and louder, they still hear their coach's voice. Beyond the quarterback who has a little earpiece, they can hear him because they know it. They probably have heard it so much that they've taken what he says to heart. They can almost read his lips. Now play that clip again. But it's in the noise that the coach's voice cuts through. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Some of you, the noise is so loud that you've forgotten what your Savior's voice is like. And tonight he's calling you back. See, a faith that works is a faith that listens and lives for Jesus. So who are you listening to? What are the obstacles that are standing in your way? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Tonight, if you knew this was the end, would it actually change how you're going to live this week? And maybe today you say, yeah, I, I want to change. I, I want to live differently and you don't know how. I'm, I'm just going to give you three pretty simple ways. And it's all wrapped around God and who he is. First is God's spirit. Ask him for his help. See, we believe the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's God in three persons. And the Holy Spirit has come and indwelled you. If you were a follower of Jesus tonight, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And so in Galatians, Paul said it this way, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love, joy, peace. I like patience better than forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Keep that up there. There's nine. You don't just get one of them. They're all lavished on you. You have access to this. And you live in this. And Jesus comes and he says, you just got to ask. And then by faith, you got to walk in my spirit.
Paul says later on, that you walk by the Spirit and you live by the Spirit. So keep in step with the Spirit. Man, when you get up tomorrow, you have a chance to say, Holy Spirit, help me today. Spirit of God, would you be all over everything I say and everything I do? And the greatest thing is when you fail, because you will by 7.30, you will go, God, forgive me. And he will. But you have the Spirit of God living in you. Ask for its help. And then walk in step with the Spirit. Second is God's Word. Do what it says. You want to save your life pain and heartache. Life is going to be painful anyway, but some of you put yourself in such painful situations because you read it and you don't believe it or trust it. And then you go do your own thing and you're like, man, I should have listened. Can I just tell you at 55 now, just do it. Give it a chance. It works. It's the best. Psalmist said it this way. Chapter 19 says the law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Say that word. Perfect. I don't know if you believe it or not, but it's perfect. It's perfect, and guess what it does? It refreshes your soul. How many of you might need a little refreshing tonight? It's right here. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I'm pretty simple. But here's what I know about God's promises. They're trustworthy. How many of you need something you can trust in tonight? It's right here. The precepts of the Lord are right. Guess what? They give joy to your heart. How many of you need a little joy tonight? The commands of the Lord, they're radiant. They give light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure. It's going to endure forever. Nothing else is. The Word of God lives forever. See, this should be like a treasure to you. Not only for what it can deliver you from, but what it can deliver you to. So you get to be in a love relationship with the creator of the universe and your savior, the one who rescued you for eternity. And it's right here. And the third thing is this. God's people. Rely on his church. You just weren't meant to walk alone. You need community. That's why we're doing dads and donuts and dodgeball tonight. You need community. So rely on your church. It's not something you do every now and then. It's something that should just be a part of your life. You need it. And we need you. Here's what I know. Jesus is coming back. No one knows the day or the hour. But that doesn't mean You shouldn't live like you do. Faith that works is a faith that listens and lives for Jesus. And James and Matthew and our elders, that is our prayer and our hope for you. Would you stand with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it does not return void, and I pray tonight that, God, it would speak to every one of us. 
And tonight, Father, um, to walk with you is to ask for your leading. So, Father, your spirit, would you, Holy Spirit, lead us right now. May we reflect you. Holy Spirit, would you help us be people that are, are, are a little quicker this week to listen? Would you help us to be people that are a little slower to talk? Because some of us got a lot of words. And then, God, would you help us to be slow to anger? Father, we thank you that you are sovereign, so you're in control, and you know everything that's going on. So we just submit ourselves to you. And I pray tonight as we walk out of here, we will be refreshed. We will be reminded of your grace and your love for every single one of us. And God, we will be people that walk by faith and not by sight. And may our faith listen and live for you with everything that we are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.